the European Hockey Championship in München Gladbach in uh, Germany. Uh, did I pronounce that correctly? I have no idea. München I'm agnostic about German. Ah, yeah, me too. It's Friday, September 1st, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, and instead of Gordon Derek, who is still suffering from his birthday party hangover, I assume, I'm joined by Sine Bostas. Hello, uh, greetings. Hello, welcome uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks that you want to uh, fill in for Gordon. Uh, no, he's on uh, he's on editing duty, isn't he, On uh, for DutchNews.nl, so he uh, Indeed, doesn't yeah. have the time this morning to, uh, to join us. Um, and he, he could he, still afford alcohol, which is something we'll come to a bit later. Indeed, yes, because uh, uh, a lot of people won't be able to to, to afford that anymore. Uh, yeah. uh, smoking as well, right? But yeah. uh, no more birthday uh, hangovers in future. <laughs> no, uh, I don't smoke, so I won't be affected by that particular tax raise. But uh, my alcohol consumption uh, now I'm forced to uh, to reduce that a little bit. Um, Unfortunately. How was your holidays, uh, Sinead? Yeah, excellent. Very nice. Went to Sweden, made the right choice. Didn't Uh melt in the heat wave. Did you go by by the ferry or did you... uh, Yeah, we we wanted to take the Norway ferry, but um, unfortunately it was a bit too expensive. So we we took a little ferry from from Germany to um, Denmark. Uh Aha, and then uh, crossed the bridge to... And then, uh, uh, then drove. And it was all carbon neutral. Uh-huh. A lovely very... little electric vehicle. Very nice. Yes. Yes. Unfortunately, you won't be able to uh, to to go by ferry to Norway anymore from Eimshaven, um, I believe it was. And uh, that uh, it was a very nice. Yeah, on paper, it's a very nice uh, uh, line, isn't it? Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, there were a lot of uh, problems in Eimshaven for the ferry to 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 dock. Sometimes it had to be diverted to Germany, and uh, yeah, that that caused such a bad reputation for the uh, uh, Holland Norway line that uh, yeah they are now on the brink of bankruptcy unfortunately yeah, so that's right they yeah. were told in January that there wasn't going to be a fixed space for them in aim Harbor, which isn't very good in your business if that's where no. you're going to come from yeah it's also so so yeah, uh, um, uh, I I don't know the ins and outs, but I'm 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 guessing Ameshaven will benefit a lot from this, uh, from this ferry line, and you would think that the municipality there would uh, put a little bit more effort into uh, arranging the 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 the, the right um, infrastructure for that ferry. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, perhaps, perhaps they, they, they have won't a lot of f- a lot of shipments of bananas. Yes, bananas well, I, from South America. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, fishers from Uruk uh, on their on their way to Denmark. Now, I think the real problem is that uh, there is a wind farm being constructed right now off the coast of uh, of, of Eimshaven, and they need the uh, um, the the yeah the dock there for the heavy transport of all the materials for that wind farm f- uh, in the near future. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's the problem there. So uh, very unfortunate, uh, and uh, yeah, we're gonna have to take uh, a plane from. That one, if you want to go to Norway uh, from uh, from the Netherlands. Well, they're they're in trouble at the moment. They haven't they haven't actually gone pop yet. The last news no. that I saw, but um, fingers crossed. Perhaps they'll find a way forward. Van Moff has found a has found a hero to rescue it. So who knows? Yes, who knows? Um, that wasn't the opf of the week, though. No. Uh, there was a completely different opf this week. Uh, it comes from Bergoland, which I didn't know existed, but it's a place in Gelderland. And there, local politicians are calling for a ban on the so-called 
Kermis Penis. The penis-shaped stuffed toy is currently the hit prize at literally every stall on every fairground in the country. The Kermis Pimol comes in all colors and different sizes, ranging from tiny to really ginormous. I saw photos of of of, of penis-shaped uh, 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 toys, yeah, double the size of children. So yeah, they are. They literally come in all sizes. Oh, I didn't um, think they were that big, Paul. There, there were very, very large Kermis Pimels uh, around there, I can assure you. Um, William Geerdrink, who uh, calls his party uh, Bay Bay Bay, but has nothing to do with the real Bay Bay Bay, I found out in a, uh, uh, in a, uh, in a uh, uh, Wikipedia rabbit hole uh, around the politics of uh, Berkeland. Um, he feels, uh, he is a local councillor and he feels that the erotic prices for children are simply going too far. And even though the Berkeland Fair wraps up today, on Friday, the councillors fear the Kermis Penis will return to their municipality at fairs uh, in three of the other villages, uh, which are scheduled for the rest of September. The prize became popular at the fair of Tilburg and has spread over the country like an STD at a sorority. Um, later in the week, the fake Baby Bay was joined by the ChristenUnie in Alkmaar, who has similar problems with the popular penis prize and called them deplorable and un desirable. Naturally, the internet has been laughing at the cause for a ban of the Pimel Knuffels for the entire week. Uh, yeah, it's really a, um, an enormous ophef uh, in, uh, in, in Kermis country. This is a Dutch thing, right? You, you, you have these funny genital cakes as well. What's... Do we? I think that's only Amsterdam, uh, Sinead. <laughs> I haven't seen them in the shops. I just see them on TV. And ah, then the okay. scandal when, when someone tries to produce female-shaped genital uh-huh. cakes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, on the one hand, we are a very liberal country in that regard, but there are always parts of the of, of society that have uh, very, very, yeah, have, have, have big problems with, um, yeah, genitals and pictures of that. Same thing is with, with nudity, right? When when there is uh, n- um, um, an advertisement in, in, in the, at the bus stops of, of, a, of a, yeah, a person with li- very little clothes, on, then um, I think 80-90% doesn't give doesn't give a shit but there are always a, lot, a, a small percentage of people that uh, yeah take offense of that and uh, they they are um, causing a stir and that re- results in people laughing about their uh, concerns and uh, yeah that's uh, it's it's uh, it's a recurring thing I think yeah no I mean I, I've, I've spent some time reporting from the naked beaches of Zeeland where there's mm. a sex verbot, a ban on sex in the June. Oh, that's right. And, uh, so I've talked to a lot of people. It's quite tricky, actually, when you go to a naked beach because you have to choose your moment to interview them. You, you want to choose when they're setting up or getting dressed yeah. and leave because otherwise it's just not. It, it, oh, no. It's just not good. Yeah, so the same thing is, so if you're going to the fair in Alkmaar, you have to interview people right before they win their penis prizes and not afterwards. Otherwise, it's uh, it's just awkward to, uh, to approach them. Gets in the way of your yes. notebook. This week, uh, the traditional leaking of the cabinet's plan in the upcoming Prinsjesdag budget has started. Foreign Affairs Minister Wopke Hoekstra had his interview in Brussels to replace Frans Timmermans in the European Commission. The Dutch turn out to be more nepotistic than expected. There is bad news for Nigerian Minister Christiane van der Waal and for international students trying to find a house in the Netherlands. But there was fantastic news if you are an orange sports fan. So we're starting with alcohol and uh, in the usual run up to budget day, 
Prinziersdag. We've had the usual generous amount of leaks telling us just what we probably have coming for us in the tax and benefits offering next year. This autumn, the big subject is actually poverty. A few weeks ago, the Dutch macro forecasting body, the CPB, warned that a million people in the Netherlands risk falling below the poverty line, including 7% of children. Currently, despite the wealth of the country, about 825,000 people live below the poverty line. So uh, on Wednesday evening, the caretaker government completed its discussions about the budget in good time at just past 10 p.m. And the finance minister, Sigrid Kach, said that they've come up with a balanced package with an eye for people who are having a hard time. The press are reporting that around 2 billion euros will be reserved for measures to support those in poverty, such as increasing certain benefits. But the question is, who will pay for this and the budget shortfall of around 300 million? Yes, because uh, last week uh, the uh, CBS uh, announced that we are officially in a recession, and uh, yeah, uh, we had years of uh, of the government uh, spending billions and billions of euros putting in funds, and uh, yeah, the the interest rates were so low that uh, they could uh, borrow endless uh, uh, amounts of money, but uh, yeah, that uh, has come to an end. So uh, yeah, we need to, uh, unfortunately, we need to um, uh, uh, watch for what we are uh, uh, spending, or, or at least uh, the cabinet uh, has to do that. So uh, to break the tension, who is going to pay the bill? Uh, uh, do we know that already? We've got a few hints because, as always, government is uh, proving leakier than a Groningen gas well, <laughs> which is another source of income that we're going to be losing in future. Yes. Um, the FD, the Financiële Dagblad, is saying that the government's going to raise 1.6 billion euros from effectively employees with higher incomes. And that's expected to happen by effectively lowering the boundary for the top rate of tax. If you don't know, this in the Netherlands is an impressive 49.5%. It's like a prize in a kermis. And it currently kicks in if you're lucky enough to earn 73,032 euros. Normally, this would go up in line with inflation. And this is not expected to happen. And it might even come down to put more people in this top tax bracket. And uh, is uh, anyone else going to suffer? Yes, we're all going to suffer if we drink alcohol. Yes. Uh, the government thought or about smoke. increasing the profit tax for, for business and it decided not to chase away all of the money-making industry for the Netherlands because uh, environmental law is going to do that for us anyway soon. <laughs> um, so the rest of the money is probably going to come from increased tariffs from things like tobacco and alcohol. And um, uh, I think uh, petrol as well, right? So uh, th- those are the standard uh, things that uh, the government uh, uh, increases when they when they are in need of money yeah. um, and will anyone be able to afford the traditional uh, hat to celebrate budget uh, no. day no absolutely <laughs> not we're all going to be wearing our old hats which is what you have to do on princess you have to wear a big hat a big hat yeah. and no knickers because you can't afford them i don't know anyway uh maybe we'll be able to afford to celebrate our birthdays uh well we can't anymore so uh so grab that yeah. uh, the the extra taxes apparently according to the fd are not just going to apply to 2024 but forever so huh. okay. that's probably why the netherlands is such a thriving place for people vesting their wealth abroad or taking advantage of dubious tax vehicle structures to hide them from the tax man and that was another story this week in follow the money we will uh, link to that in the liner notes if you are curious 
Prime Minister Mark Rutte confirmed on Friday that Foreign Affairs Minister Wopke Hoekstra will be the cabinet's nominee to replace Frans Timmermans at the European Commission. The Dutch seat became vacant after Timmermans decided to run in the upcoming general election in November. He was elected as lijsttrekker for PvdA GroenLinks two weeks ago. Timmermans was executive vice president of the commission and in charge of the European Green Deal, a massive legislative package aiming to cut greenhouse gas emissions in Europe in line with the Paris Climate Agreement. Hoekstra traveled to Brussels on Tuesday for an official interview by European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen. She called Hoekstra's experience in diplomacy and finance a strong asset and said he showed a commitment to an ambitious climate policy. Hoekstra's nomination has to be approved by the European Parliament, which will hold a committee hearing with him somewhere next week. So she's happy, but uh, some MEPs and environmental groups, I think, have already said that they are planning to uh, grill Hoekstra. Sounds good. Yes, especially, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully they will grill him without the CO2 emissions that uh, are accompanied by that usually. But uh, especially members from the left are unhappy with this nomination. Um, they say that uh, uh, he cannot possibly fill Timmermans' shoes. Um, uh, they have doubts about Hoekstra's affinity with and passion for tackling climate change. Uh, it's a topic he hasn't been outspoken about in the past. And the fact that he uh, has worked for Shell in the past doesn't help um, uh, 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 making the Green MEPs enthusiastic about him. Um, to convince the left-wing groups, Hoekstra really has to show he has proper climate ambitions, uh, a spokesperson of the Greens in Europe uh, told Dutch News. But it is expected that he enjoys enough support in the rest of the European Parliament to have his conf- confirmation secured anyway. But uh, we have a, um, a fun grilling at this hearing uh, to look forward to, uh, especially by the, the Green members of the European Parliament. Uh, and isn't it about a year ago that he he had a fun grilling in the Dutch parliament because he came out with an interview saying that he didn't think that the year of 2030 was holy for our own climate ambitions. Uh, yeah, that was nitrogen emissions, um, which is something different than climate. We will uh, talk about nitrogen later in the podcast. But uh, yeah, that was that was the first time um, um, the cabinet, the, the coalition uh, started to unravel, I think. Uh, that was where it began. Uh, he uh, he started, uh, yeah, he, 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 he started the, the parliamentary year with saying that this crucial part of the coalition agreement uh, wasn't, uh, if, if, if you ask Hoekstra, as holy as, uh, as it was written down and that uh, yeah, caused uh, a lot of um, friction within the cabinet, and uh, we might uh, it might be part of the reason why the cabinet fell uh, yeah, a couple of months ago. Uh, yeah, who and knows? He, he wasn't too diplomatic about the southern states of Europe when the bodies were piling up in uh, Italy, <laughs> was he either? Uh, no, that's right. Uh, he didn't say that uh, uh, the, the the southern European countries were spending all the all the uh, support money from the European Union on women and booze. But um, yeah, he 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 has a history of uh, expressing himself not as uh, diplomatically as you would expect from a foreign affairs minister. So so in short, uh, there's a bit of political drama on the way for us all. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, there's also enough political drama in The Hague regarding his uh, his uh, appointment. Um, after his nomination was leaked last week, many people questioned if there wasn't anyone more qualified for the climate portfolio in the European Commission. Like Sigrid po- Kaag. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Others pointed out that geopolitically speaking, it isn't the best timing to send off the foreign affairs minister, even though um, Timmermans himself was, of course, also the foreign affairs minister when he was 
appointed in the European Commission, and that was right after uh, the MH17 disaster. So uh, yeah, we have a history of uh, sending off our forward ministers right in the middle of uh, yeah, Russian turmoil. Um, some also wondered why Finance Minister Sigrid Kaag was it nominated by Rutte. On paper, she is just as qualified as Hoekstra, both having led the Foreign Affairs Ministry and the Finance Ministry. But at least she has more affinity with climate as a D66 uh, politician. But it has been reported that Ursula von der Leyen apparently preferred a Christian Democrat for internal uh, European political reasons. But also, and this is the juicy part, that Rutte might have bypassed Kaag deliberately as a way of revenge. Because right before the debate in the Tweede Kamer following the cabinet's collapse uh, at the start of the summer, Kaag informed Rutte that she couldn't guarantee that her D66 MPs would vote in favor of a motion of no confidence against Rutte. If that motion passed, Rutte would immediately have to leave as prime minister. Uh, but he diffused this motion by announcing very unexpectedly that he wouldn't stand for re-election and leave politics after the next cabinet uh, takes over. And um, I believe it was the Telegraaf who wrote that um, uh, this meant that uh, uh, Sigrid Kaag wouldn't, uh, uh, you know, if, if that motion was passed, Sigrid Kaag would take over as the first vice prime minister, um, as prime minister. But yeah, she was uh, denied that um, um scheme or plot who knows um so um it's said that this might have uh, might is, is it is said that this is uh, an important reason why Kaag was uh, wasn't uh, nominated for the european commission position well we're all friends here which uh, which <laughs> appropriately enough leads us to the next story um because that's what the dutch say and uh, this story is about um nepotism and uh, friendliness that, that perhaps oversteps the boundaries of what friends should do for one another. Uh, you'll probably have to correct my Dutch here, Paul. It's officially described in a new report as ons kent ons. We, yeah, we, all, yeah, it's, we all know it's, each you, other here. You pronounce it perfectly. You can... Uh... You can uh, you can immediately uh, go to Limburg and uh, and enjoy the ons kent ons mentality there. Excellent. Well, according to the latest citizen survey from the SCP, one of the excellent characteristics of the modern day Netherlands is nepotism. There's even a really friendly name for this kind of low level corruption, where money doesn't necessarily change hands, but people who maybe look like one another scratch each other's backs. In Dutch, it's called fringespolitiek the politics yes. of friends. So what do people think about it? Well, so... Dutch, Dutch people uh, who were surveyed in this uh, study uh, don't think much about it, apparently. Um, this survey is carried out at regular intervals to kind of take the temperature of the Netherlands and look at things like trust in politics and, and happiness. Um, people think that corruption is a constant part of Dutch society in administration and in local politics. 37% of people see this kind of fringes politique in officials and 47% say it's there often or almost always, almost half. And the worst areas are things like granting building permits to your pals or handing out job offers. Yeah, pretty uh, shocking percentages there. And does this matter or is it just a uh, part of human nature? Well, I mean, obviously, we're not talking banana republic levels of bribes or siphoning off public money here. That's clearly not the case. But there is clearly a bit of a problem with integrity. And this kind of thing is what the mayor of Amsterdam, Femke Halsema, has been saying she wants to, to combat. At the same time, you've got 
historically low levels of trust in government across the country. And that was another of the themes of this survey. And this has been the case since the really unpopular COVID lockdowns. We've had various huge fraud scandals linked with targeting people who've maybe got a dual nationality or certain ethnic characteristics. And we're going to hear more about this, hopefully, when uh, Mark Rutte is called to a, a fraud parliamentary inquiry next week. Oh, so, that's right. You've got some parties at the moment that are that are in the ascendant talking about this issue of restoring trust in government. You've got Peter Omsicht's new social contract and you've got the BBB Farmer Citizen Party and even Geert Wilders, who's constantly moaning about the corruption of government, even though he's been part of it. Um, these parties are doing well in the polls. And this kind of survey is important because it's telling you why. It's telling you what the problem is in the perception of Dutch people themselves. Hmm. Yes, that's right. And despite these uh, yeah, quite high percentages of people uh, noticing uh, low-level corruption, um, the Netherlands does score well on all kinds of global corruption lists, right? Yeah, sure, it does. And of course, the, the police and the public prosecutor are also hot on fraud. We've had a big fraud-related case, which they lost in the, in the Hague about a local politician. Yeah. You certainly don't go around bribing people in cash in the Netherlands the way you might do in some countries. But look, this is also a country of trade and Dutch businesses and governments are really good at spin. So you might say it's not in anyone's best interest to share these kinds of worries about low-level corruption with the world or people who might invest in the country. Anyway, they're, they're your friends. They can be part of your deep. <laughs> but um, funny observation, the, the SCP, which did this uh, report, they also put out a press release about it. But this press release focused entirely on another theme about people's worries about misinformation online. And it didn't even mention the low level of trust and fringes politique which the researchers clearly thought was important because it was right at the top of the report, if you bother to mm, read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, people often only read the summary or the uh, or the press release, so uh, they uh, they hope to cover this up a little bit. Yeah, but um, it's a bit strange that they didn't mention it because I thought it was a really interesting theme given that we're polling with this low trust in government and we've got elections upcoming. So it's yeah. clearly an issue that's playing for lots of people here. And if you don't look in the mirror, you can't solve the issues. That's right. So thank you for uh, for uh, uh, putting this to our attention. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, Shen, You're so, all my uh, friends here. <laughs> it's uh, time to thank our Patreon supporters. Without their generous donations, we wouldn't be able to bring you penis-shaped ophef and Binnenhof gossip on a weekly basis, as well as uh, pointing out uh, uh, items the SCP wants to clearly doesn't want to talk about. Um, this week, we welcome uh, three new supporters. A big thank you to Silvano Lago, uh, Ruurtje, who is Dutch, I think, probably from Friesland, uh, and also Amanda Weyers. Uh, they didn't have any questions for us, but we are very grateful for their support. And if you'd like to uh, become a podcast patron for as little as a euro, a dollar, or a ruble a month, log on to uh, www.patreon.com slash nl. They might have questions after they heard about the Pimelknuffels, though, <laughs> in fairness. It raised a lot of questions uh, to me as well, so uh, I don't think I will be able to answer that. Raised being, uh, raise being the operative word. We will just send you to uh, to uh, to Alkmaar and to uh, to have all the questions asked and uh, answered uh, 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 by the people who are actually carrying these Pimelknuffels. <laughs> <laughs> Provincial governments that have finalized plans to cut back on nitrogen-based pollution and improve the quality of the countryside will have to lower their ambitions because, because, as we already mentioned, there is not enough money to pay for them. 
Nature Minister Christiane van der Wal told The Telegraaf on Monday. The minister told the paper she would be relaying her message to the 12 new provincial administrations in the coming month. Um, there is a huge problem because in total the provinces are claiming 58 billion in government funding, but the cabinet has only allocated a total of 24 billion euros to tackle excessive nitrogen. So uh, yeah, that's almost double, uh, yeah, more than double than, uh, than what's available. Um, the uh, amount is more likely to go down than increase given the financial situation we are facing. So uh, yes, this uh, 24 billion might even go down uh, indeed. Um, a further 35 billion has been allocated to tackling climate change. Uh, in addition, the Senate uh, still has to approve the establishment of both the nitrogen and climate funding. And whether or not they will is still open to to question. Van der Waal told the Telegraaf she at least hopes to be able to press ahead with the scheme to buy out farms that are major producers of nitrogen-based pollution. And um, that wasn't the only bad nitrogen news this week, was it? There was a bit more yesterday. Yes, because research by Wageningen University that came out this week showed that Dutch nature is often in a worse state than initially thought, meaning that stricter nitrogen pollution regulations are needed. The research is carried out uh, every 10 years and is used to determine the critical deposition values for nitrogen pollution in nature areas. On average, this uh, so-called KDW value is 7% lower than currently assumed, but there are areas where this is uh, 36%. The new calculations show that in almost half of the European protected nature areas, known as Natura 2000 areas, nitrogen-based pollution needs to be reduced even further. Uh, the cabinet's ambition was to reduce nitrogen pollution by 74% in 2030, but the stricter norms will make this an even tougher job than it already is. And uh, yeah, this uh, suggests that there is uh, more money needed than the 24 billion that was uh, calculated until now. Um, even though, yeah, as we already said, the uh, economic forecasts uh, show that uh, yeah, it might be difficult to uh, to scrap all that money together in the first place, let alone uh, increase that amount. Or, or a bigger time period. I mean, farmers, some farmers do point out that there's a kind of attrition rate. A, a number of farmers are stopping each week. So naturally, that number is going to go down anyway. So perhaps uh, what Hookstra was saying about 2030 not being holy, perhaps that's just a more practical way of looking at the resources we have and the time it's going to take to uh, to do something about the excessive um, emissions into nature. Yes, but there is a fundamental uh, debate going on um, uh, about this deadline because um, it's just simply saying that how oh, we're going to take more time, um, a, a lot of uh, a lot of groups and also left-wing uh, 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 political parties say that yeah, this means that you are just uh, pushing it forward, right, uh, and, and and not taking action even though it is desperately needed. So there is a, a fundamental debate about that. But yeah, uh, taking if you don't have the money, you don't have the money. Yeah, yeah, that's that's also true. So yeah, it's um, uh, it will probably be uh, a, a big issue in the upcoming elections, and um, yeah, we're looking forward to all the debates about that. Not Absolutely. At all, not at all. Um, so uh, a little bit before the elections, we're back to back to now. It's that time of year just the start of September when students are desperately looking for accommodation if they haven't been smart enough to find some uh, before the term starts. And um, NOS3 decided to do a survey and investigation to look at how things are going for people in the rental sector. 
There are supposed to be national rules limiting the amount that landlords can charge for an individual room, something that's just rented to one person in a larger house. But the Dutch broadcaster did a survey of about 2,000 people and it found that many of them have got accommodation as part of a group contract, which Mm. appears to be a way of evading this law and the limits on individual rooms. There's a point system for housing in general in the Netherlands. And if your property has a total of more than 142 points at the moment in square metres, the number of metres of kitchen space, the amount of tiles on the walls, numero, yeah, as they yeah. say. <laughs> Every item has has, has, a, has a certain amount of points allocated to it, right? So Absolutely. That is, isn't that the reason why many, many, many individual rooms have a sink, for example? Because yeah. that... Uh, adds a lot of points and it means they can ask more money yeah. even though it is a completely useless feature of very often yeah um but that's one of the tricks that uh, that they apply absolutely right? and tiles on the walls apparently have a point value so yeah. if, if your landlord has been very generous with tiling now you know why um anyway if if your house has more than this uh, 142 points at the moment it's in the free sector and then dutch contract law applies so whatever price you guys have agreed if it's eight thousand euros a month tough luck that's the contract. That's the price that it's allowed to be, even if it's, you know, 60 square meters. Oops, you made a mistake there. So uh, the question is, is this legal? Well, apparently this group contract thing in many places in the country is legal. It's not, uh, as the Dutch would say, the bedoeling. It's not what you're supposed to do, yeah. but it's not illegal. But actually in some places like Amsterdam, this kind of group contract for what are effectively individual rooms and individual contracts has been banned since 2020. You have to get a license to rent out individual rooms. And the city is planning to crack down with its uh, toolbox of fines of 8,000 euros. Hmm. But still, the, the NOS said that they found examples of people who are still signing these group contracts quietly because they need a house Um, and an example of five international students living in a 77 square meter house and together paying about four thousand euros which is extreme um, we have a word for that, a huisjesmelker, right? Mm. Um, but there are changes on the way in uh, in the housing regulations. Uh, there, are new, there are new rules coming up, right? Yeah, that's right. The, the caretaker housing minister, as we call him, Hugo de Jonge, he's proposed a new set of rules to introduce more regulation into rental houses. And he says this is to protect more people from extreme rents. There's another private member's bill ongoing to try to ban two-year contracts, which apparently have been used by landlords to chuck people out or ratchet up the rent at the end of the period by threatening to chuck them out. Um, De Jong's rules would mean actually that landlords can charge 20% more for individual rooms. And some property lawyers say that this is necessary because actually the current limits don't even cover the cost of borrowing money and they're not realistic. Hmm. But uh, De Jong's suggestions will also increase the point system to cover houses up to 187 points with a maximum rent of €1,000 a month, which is a lot less than a lot of people in Amsterdam are paying. Yeah. And um, when is this all going to uh, come into effect, uh, the next school year? Uh, Actually, since the government has now fallen, this is one of the laws that MPs have to vote on before they even vote on the law. So things that are considered controversial can't be handled by a caretaker government and about this law there are lots of protests from the property sector and landlords as you might imagine but in fairness it does seem like many landlords are selling up because they're worried about these new laws and some big investors are considering liquidating their stock as it might be not be profitable in future but this might mean conversely 
a lot less available to rent, which will keep the prices high for the things that are in the free market. Um, anyway, the vote about whether this is controversial or not will be on September the 12th, which is fortunately the Dutch news editing day, which I've just swapped with Gordon. So here's you can have Oh, oh. Um, yeah, it might need a little bit of explanation, but uh, yeah, the, the, we have a budget coming up and the government, uh, the cabinet is not um, yeah, allowed to, to make big changes, legislative changes, because they, they no longer enjoy a mandate in the Tweede Kamer, right? And uh, the, the parliament has to vote on, on a list of items that are uh, uh, considered controversial, and that means that the, the the cabinet can't do anything about that. It will be basically put on hold until we have a new cabinet, which can easily take uh, uh, another year. If yeah, uh, absolutely, it took what ten months, almost ten months, to make the current cabinet. Yes, indeed, and we have uh, we still have what is it uh, three months to go for uh, for the election. So uh, yeah, uh, add all this time to get uh, add all this time up, and you will see that uh, yeah, a lot of um, dossiers will be will be basically put on hold. Yeah, nitrogen uh, probably. Yeah, I think nitrogen will not be uh, uh, voted controver- as controversial. Um, the cabinet has, Rutte has also said that, for example, when it comes to the Toeslagen affair or the uh, or, or Ukraine, um, he uh, he he doesn't consider the cabinet to be uh, demissionary, as the word is. Um, we all you always also have a lot of uh, purists, right, who will insist on calling every uh, minister a demissionaire minister because yeah, they no longer. Uh, have the, uh, yeah, the cabinet has fallen basically the government um, doesn't like it though one of the nice government press officers said to me we don't we don't like you calling us caretaker i was like well, no it's the fact yeah. of the matter though isn't it sorry yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and uh uh yeah indeed they don't like it because yeah it's because uh, it makes uh, them sound like the janitor that cleans up the school building yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, at least demissionary is a fancier word than caretaker, I guess, even though uh, it does have a lot of connotations. Exactly. It's not very nice either. Want. It's not very elegant. No, yeah. At least in the, in, in Dutch, it, it's more elegant. But uh, yeah, it's um, that's exactly. the reality of it. Exactly. We think you've gone back to that kermis with your <laughs> pimo knuffles. <laughs> We've had an extremely orange sport weekend uh, uh, with wins for the Netherlands in a wide range of different sports, starting with uh, Max Verstappen, who won the Dutch Grand Prix in Zandvoort for the third time in a row. Verstappen equaled Sebastian Vettel's record of nine straight wins. The two-time world champion started the race at pole position and kept control of the lead despite the rainy conditions. The race was red flagged for almost an hour after 65 laps due to a crash by uh, Logan Sargent and standing water on the track. Fernando Alonso put pressure on Verstappen for the final seven laps, but he kept easily ahead and crossed the finish line to the roar of the Dutch crowd and the royal family. Sandford welcomed more than 300,000 people on the beachside circuit and was a great success. 99% of the crowd arrived by bike or public transportation. Which somewhat offset the emissions caused by the race cars, right? Yeah, that, that's their that's their spin, right? We are so environmentally friendly because nobody's coming by car, even though yeah, everyone has to 
uh, travel to a train station uh, some way and uh, yeah usually they go by car i assume so uh, but um yeah there are still uh, what is it 20 race cars uh, burning up uh, 120 kilograms of uh, of uh, fossil fuel so yeah it's not as environmentally friendly as they said uh, and bur- least- burning it all to get back to the same place they started right <laughs> it's a bit strange yes. that. anyway anyway in a, a rather more environmentally friendly sport there was a double gold for the netherlands on the hockey field I hear. Yes, the Dutch men's hockey team beat England 2-1 to make the title at the European Hockey Championship in München Gladbach in Germany on Sunday afternoon. Oranje were the defending champions and have won the event for four times uh, in the past five editions. The Dutch were winning 2-1 in the closing minutes of the game when England equalised, a goal which the Dutch then disputed and called for the video referee's intervention. The VAR first gave the goal and then reconsidered, awarding England a penalty instead. Dutch keeper Maurits Visser stopped the ball, but England then appealed to the VAR, saying Visser moved too early. The VAR awarded a second penalty, which Visser also stopped, and again England tried to appeal, but this time without success. On Saturday, the Dutch women took the title for the 12th time with a 3-1 over Belgium. Uh, It was the fourth tournament victory for the Dutch women in a row, uh, and the win means both Dutch teams have qualified for the Olympic Games in Paris next summer. I've always wondered, why is hockey such a big sport in the Netherlands? Is it just because it's naturally flat? So you've got lots of potential hockey fields? I I guess that's true. Um, And the only only kit you require is a stick and a ball and a... uh, something to protect your teeth right and uh, so it's a, a relatively cheap sport i guess um, um oh, so it appeals to the sense of parsimony i think so yes i don't mm. know just like football right you only and need you're the all ball fringes and, uh... you, you have a fringes uh politique in built because you have your hockey <laughs> team for life <laughs> yeah well i think a lot of the fringes politics starts at the hockey field especially ah. hockey field uh, perhaps the tennis sense. court as well. Yeah, so French um, uh, politic uh, uh, leads to gold medals uh, at World Championships. So uh, that's a nice lesson for you there. And we had some more fringes politic uh, of one sort or another in Budapest, didn't we? I mean, team team politics. Team politics, yes, indeed. Because the most spectacular win this week came uh, from the Dutch women's 4x400 relay team at the World Athletic Championship in Budapest in Hungary. In an absolutely sensational race, Femke Ball, coming from nowhere, managed to overtake Jamaica and Great Britain just ahead of the finish line, winning the Dutch team the gold medal in uh, 3 minutes, 20 seconds and 72 hundreds. Ball was congratulated by the Jamaican legend Usain Bolt, who sent her a text message saying that she didn't need to overtake us in the last few meters. You already had a gold medal, which is true because Ball had already won the 400 meters hurdles titles. The men's 4x400 meters relay team was sixth in our final uh, early in the evening. The Netherlands ended in eighth position in the medals table with two gold, one silver and two bronze medals. <clears throat> and if you have time, um, uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, just watch uh, the, uh, the the women's 4x400 race on YouTube because it really was spectacular. Yeah, and, we should uh, put a link to it. It's amazing. It's really yeah, amazing. It really was. Uh, Femke Wall was really amazing. Uh, she just, uh, yeah, it, it was almost as if she had uh, a, a DRS uh, activated all of a sudden. She just uh, propelled forward from the third position uh, to, 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 the, to, the, to the front in the last 100 meters or yeah, something. Yeah, it was like, last... like she was running a 100 meter race. It was extraordinary. And I don't know if you've ever run 400 meters trying to sprint that, but the last 100 meters is always where you 
are literally dying. So the, the, just the fact that she still managed to find the energy to <laughs> to to overtake these two uh, uh, others was just fantastic. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And the, the commentator was saying she might make silver, but gold is out of reach. Yeah, oh no! Yeah. Hold on a no, minute. No. It isn't. <laughs> yeah, and completed the sentence, and she had already overtaken the the, the Jamaican, I think, right? Yeah. So um, yeah, very spectacular. We will uh, link to the YouTube video of that race uh, in case you haven't seen it in uh, in the liner notes. That's uh, all that we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes, including the CPB report, if you uh, want to uh, take a look at that. It's in Dutch, though. Sorry. Uh, maybe you should translate it, uh, Shen. And I, I know that oh, yeah, you're very, uh, very good at that. Oh yeah, I'm an expert in seven thousand word translations. Thanks. <laughs> you can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. You can also back us now on Patreon at patreon.com/dutchnewsnl and earn yourself a free shout out on the podcast. My thanks to Shane Bostas, not to Gordon Derek, and we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.